Welcome to the Hearing Review podcast. I'm Carl Strum, editor of the Hearing Review magazine and its website at hearingreview.com. Today I have as my guest, Barbara Kelly, the executive director of the Hearing Loss Association of America, or HLAA. We'll be talking today about the organization's upcoming convention in June, as well as discussing some of the hot topics in hearing healthcare and getting her viewpoints from a consumer perspective. Welcome, Barbara. Uh, uh, it's so nice to see you and so kind that you spend time with us today. What's up with you? What's new? Well, first, hi, Carl, and thank you for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be here and, and talk to your audience. Well, there's lots of exciting things happening on the hearing healthcare scene, as you probably know, and I'm, I'm just really thrilled to be here today to talk to you about them. Now, like you, I knew the original founder of HLAA, Rocky Stone, and um, even so, some Sometimes I still mistakenly call HLAA SHUSH, um, which, was, which is the acronym for self-help for hard of hearing people. Um, I know you were hired by Rocky um, back in 1988, and you've been really instrumental in HLAA's growth and success through the decades, while also serving as um, an editor of, editor of its uh, terrific publications, the SHUSH Journal and Hearing Life. And I believe you even won some um, well-deserved uh, awards for the publication. Um, you then became HLIA's uh, Deputy Executive Director in 2008, working with Brenda Batot and Anna Gilmore Hall, and you were then uh, named Executive Director in 2016. Now, for those people who um, are not familiar with HLAA, can you tell us a little bit about the um, organization's mission and um, how it serves as a prime advocate for people with hearing loss? Well, I'd be happy to, Carl, and I love how you started this out. Because you knew our founder, Rocky Stone, we were founded in 1979, as I did, and you still sometimes call our organization SHHH, shush, or some people call, I have to admit, around our dinner table at home, we often still call it that. But that gives me something really to talk about, because the organization was founded self-help for hard of hearing people. And in the late 70s and early 80s, self-help was really in style. You know, that was the, the lingo of the day, but that philosophy remains true today. And um, we believe that you give people all the information, good, credible, unbiased information, and then they can make their own choices about their hearing health care and what to do about it. So that remains the same. It's still the vision. Our mission is to open the world of communication to people with hearing loss through information, education, support, and advocacy. And a lot of that support comes in our chapter network across the country um, who do educational programs. Uh, sure, they do advocacy at the local level, but that peer-to-peer -peer support is really important to self-help, you know, um, not just getting information, but hearing what other people uh, have experienced and gone through. So uh, the times have changed, but I think our vision and our mission have very much stayed the same. And you're right. I mean, that, that that's one of the cool things of, about HLAA is that you, you kind of have a collective um, membership that shares their ideas and and bounces solution hearing solutions and and um, kind of life hacks to, uh, to 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 do well with 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 the hearing that they have right I love that term life hacks that's a great way to put it Carl I might 
copy that and quote you. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about HLA's upcoming convention, which will be held on June 23rd to the 25th in Tampa. Um, for people who've never been to an HLA convention, what should they expect and what should they know about this year's oh, convention? Well, I'm so excited to talk about it because, of course, for the past two years, our convention had to go virtually online with the COVID-19 pandemic. So we're excited to be back in person um, because although we offer educational programs and webinars throughout the year, it's just not the same as being in person. And that's where uh, we have workshops for people people with hearing loss, any degree of hearing loss, any type of technology that they use from no technology to hearing aids to cochlear implants to hearing assistive technology. So we have workshops geared toward the person with hearing loss. We also have a research symposium um, that is sponsored by the National Institute on Deafness and Other Communication Disorders. And this year, the topic is cochlear implants and what's new. So there is a lot of new coming out in the research. And the idea of our research symposiums, which are held every year at our convention, is to get the scientists to come, you know, the top researchers in the field and present to you and me, the lay audience, you know, who can understand the science and what it means to my life as a person with hearing loss. So we have a research symposium. We have companies who come and exhibit and our community or people who associate themselves with HLAA are typical pe typically people who want to stay in the hearing world with technology. So we have um, exhibitors who come. And then I have to say, we add in a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we'll have some fun events, some get together events. But again, that's where that peer to peer support happens, where I say it's a place where it's okay not to hear well. Because first of all, everybody understands what you're going through. Our sessions are communication accessible with hearing loops and captioning. And it's a great um, experience. And if people have never been to one, I would just encourage them to try it out. Um, I, would, I would too. You know, it, it, one, one of the cool things, you know, you see people... Um, orienting their telecoils, you know, in, in way, you know, um, and in all these, uh, all these um, ways that, that they figured out how, you know, how to, how to really hear well in all these different situations and they share all their, uh, all of their tips. And I think, I think it's just a terrific gathering. It is. And I remember years ago when I was new to the organization, I was at one of my first conventions. I was in the exhibit hall and a man ran up to me. He was so excited what he had seen. He goes, Barbara, I would wear antenna coming out of my head if it would help me hear better. And that kind of encapsulates, you know, how people think, their motivation. But, you know, it's one of my favorite events of the year. And I just wish people could all experience it. Right. Right. Uh, what you know? What are some of the convention highlights that that most that that attendees have told you about that that say you know I, I this is just absolutely vital or or uh, you know some of your favorite kind of tips or or, or uh, events that happen regularly at the well convention? definitely the research symposium is really popular and I think just being able to um, 
oftentimes in our workshops or with our keynote speakers, um, people will have an opportunity maybe to attend something uh, in an environment where they can hear. And it, um, you know, like for example, Carl, if, if there's a program in your local community, say it's on financial planning or something like that, you might not be able to attend because you know already there's going to be a communication breakdown. So we often have tried to offer a few workshops like that where people can attend. We have a yoga workshop that's going to be all communication accessible. So we throw in a little bit of, of lifestyle things where people might not have the opportunity. Um, we also, I think the exhibit hall is a chance to see things all in one place and really talk to uh, our, our corporate partners one-on-one. -on -one. Um, plus, I don't know, there's always some fun event depending on the city where we go. I love it all. I Oh, we also get to highlight, uh, we always have an awards reception and we highlight you know, the stars of HLAA. We have a couple really important awards we're giving this year. Cool. That's great. Um, well, you know, I think you'd agree that there's no shortage of things to talk about when it comes to hearing healthcare these days. I, I recently attended the um, American Academy of Audiology convention in St. Louis, and, um, and, you know, there were a lot of really interesting seminars, but, you know, the topics that kind of keep bubbling up to the front, if you ask me, that, that kind of left out were, you know, OTC hearing aids um, and hearables and, uh, uh, the issue of diversity and inclusiveness and equity issues in hearing health quick care, as well as possible future Medicare provisions for hearing aids. And, and you know, I know, I know we could talk on each one of these for, you know, probably hours, right? But, um, you know, I just want, in particular, I want to get, uh, you know, your take on the FDA's proposed regulations for OTC. And, you know, in particular, are there any items that really concern you from a consumer's perspective about the about the proposed rules. Carl, you really hit three of the high points, I think, in hearing healthcare that's in the news a lot. The OTC, um, diversity and equity in hearing healthcare, and the Medicare issue. So on OTC, um, I think that, you know, we're all waiting for the, the final rules to come out from the FDA. And what we're looking for is that these devices are um, safe, you know, they have return policies. They are clearly labeled on the box. You know, maybe some older people will want to use them. Well, I think right on the box, it's going to need to say, do you have to use it with a smartphone? So people know what they're getting. Um, I think, you know, it's great for mild to moderate hearing loss for adults who have mild to moderate hearing loss who might not otherwise take that first step to good hearing health care. We're hoping that this does encourage people to take that first step to get a good over-the-counter product. And, you know, my dream is that audiologists or hearing instrument specialists will perhaps be able to help somebody with an over-the-counter device for a fee because they should be paid a fee for service. And if it is a person whose hearing loss is progressive, the chances are they're gonna end up in the good care 
of that hearing healthcare professional anyway. So I think at first, it, it might be very confusing for people. We're going to try to get out good information, things people should look for. Um, but it is going to be someone who's going to have to have a self-perceived hearing loss who won't have uh, the help of a hearing hear healthcare professional. So we're excited for that new market to open up and the possibilities that it might bring. And I just hope that HLAA is here to um, empower consumers, to give them good information and help them along the path of that hearing journey, which can certainly be a long one. And I, I agree completely with you. And, and I share your hopes that, you know, I hope this is something that will progress um, will be a logical progression for, for people to get in and, and they can address their hearing loss, you know, when they, initially when they start having problems instead of waiting those, you know, the typical seven years or 10 years for, to, to, uh, to solve their, and when it becomes more severe hearing well, loss. And I think, Carl, I'd like to get out the attitude to people, which might be helpful, is maybe people don't need hearing help all the time. Maybe they need it in situations. And I like to use my husband as an example who likes to say to me, oh, no, I don't have a hearing loss. I just need a little hearing enhancement from time to time. So if people have that in their mind, that maybe there's situations at work or maybe in noisy restaurants where a device will help them and then it gets them used to using a device. They're more mainstream. So like you, I'm hoping that it just gets people to take that first step sooner rather than later. That's, that's great. Um, I think, you know, it, let's pivot uh, to the issues of, of diversity and inclusiveness and equity in hearing healthcare. Um, you know, we know that surveys like market track and, and some others, you know, similar to other areas of healthcare show that people of color are generally underrepresented when it comes to the use of hearing aids, cochlear implants, and other assistive technologies. Um, it, you know, there's certainly other issues when it comes up, you know, in terms of serving the LGBTQ uh, community as well. Um, in your view, what are some of the most important ways we can address some of these disparities? Boy, that's a tough nut to crack, but it's one we have to crack. There's healthcare disparities overall in our country, not just in hearing healthcare. And we know that uh, hearing loss knows no bounds. I mean, I like to say it's an equal opportunity employer. It, it doesn't matter um, what color, what nationality, what orientation you are, you can have hearing loss. Um, you know, we, we certainly wanna reach everybody who needs help. Of course, we're not Nike with gazillion dollar budgets, but I don't know what the barriers are. And I know, you know, in the profession, in the hearing healthcare profession, you know, we've seen studies where it does show to be largely white women. And um, so I don't know where, I mean, it's systemic. It's, it, it needs, it's a systemic problem, but I just know at HLAA, we um, try to show images of diversity, you know, in our educational materials. Uh, our chapters are very welcoming of anyone who wants to be part of our community, but I just don't know how to crack that nut and to solve the problems of getting a more diverse community of people 
who want to talk about their hearing loss. Uh, I know during COVID, those two years, I mean, we're still in it, but we had a lot more virtual chapter meetings that our chapters across the country were able to hold. So we had many more people able to attend them. So we saw some more diversity. We saw some younger people. And I think that where we see diversity is at our Walk for Hearing, which is held in 20 cities across the country because the walks are true representations of the people in that community. So when I go to a walk, I'm always excited to see um, aged children with hearing loss, their parents, uh, people of color, um, you know, nationalities, all kinds of people that is, is really more true to a community. So that's where I see the hope is in our walk for hearing. Let's turn to, you know, I think almost everyone would like to see Medicare available to, um, for hearing aids. And it, it seems to have a bipartisan support in Washington. Um, the problem is, of course, cost and how it might be implemented. Um, do you have any predictions for what might transpire relative to hearing aids and uh, hearing healthcare services uh, well, over the next well, five years? That's a great question, Carl. And being here in the DC area, I have no predictions. <laughs> I mean, I really had hope last year, I felt, you know, I said, we're going to get Medicare coverage, expansion of hearing aids. I really believe that. In the Build Back Better. In the Build Back Better Act. And we, you know, for years, our number one call, email, letter to our organization is, why doesn't Medicare cover hearing aids? They're a little bit out of my reach in my budget. Some it's far out of reach. Even Low, the lower cost hearing aids, because there are different price points, were are unaffordable to some seniors. So it's something we've always worked on. We will always work on it. So I really believed, I mean, I must have met with 50 or more people from Congress um, talking about it, getting positive reaction. It seemed to be bipartisan, but it was uh, held up in the Build Back Better Act. And as we know, what happened to that? So what's coming down the pike for next year? You know, who knows? Um, the House and Senate may change parties, and but we're just going to keep working. We're going to have a strategy. I think now, you know, we're playing the long game on this one, but right. we're not going to give up. And it will, it will almost certainly come, I've been told it will almost certainly come as part of a large omnibus type of bill, right? Yes, it will. A Medicare expansion is really tricky. And you know, in the bill that passed the House in the fall of 2019, there, they did include the expansion of hearing aids and services. And also fighting for Medicare expansion was dental and vision. And uh, dental is not even going to be considered and vision is not going to be considered. So that's, you know, that's all left for hearing aids, right? That was my hope. But um, yeah, we'll have to see. But we're going to stay in there and fight because, you know, I don't know when the law was passed in 1965, it was meant as a catastrophic health care bill, you know, for massive heart attacks. And they specifically, as you know, excluded hearing aids. And I try to, people ask me why all the time. And I think you and I know why. I think in 1965, hearing loss was not considered 
an important health concern that we know it is today. And they probably felt, oh, it's part of aging, it's normal. You know, people didn't live as long as they did back then. There's all kinds of reasons, but we know that untreated hearing loss has adverse effects. Um, so that has to change. Right, right. Um, so what are some of the other big issues on HLAA's agenda for the um, next couple of years? We really are committed to reaching more people. Um, we want to reach people with mild to moderate hearing loss. Some in the past, some of our core support chapters have focused on people with more to severe profound hearing loss because you could say maybe uh, that level of hearing loss needs more help, needs more support. So we're trying to extend our reach. We also are involved in regulatory and legislative issues. Um, we are on the hearing aid compatible task force uh, with the cell phone industry and with the hearing aid industry that was uh, prompted by the FCC wanting to take a look at bringing consumers and industry together. Can hearing, well, can cell phones be 100% hearing aid compatible? Is that reachable? So we're deeply embroiled in that. We're co-chair of that. We also serve on the FCC's Disability Advisory Committee, which deals a lot with captioning issues. We also, uh, the CVAA, which is the 21st Century Telecommun Telecommunications and Video Accessibility Act, was written at a time when we didn't have a lot of videos on the internet, when we didn't uh, see the type of demand for access with captioning. So Senator Markey has been a great supporter of uh, the next phase of that legislation. Um, I don't think it's gonna be an amendment to le that legislation. I think it's gonna be new legislation to address communication issues in this world we live in with video. Right. So we've got a lot of regulatory and uh, policy issues. And I have another exciting thing, but I don't want to keep talking. No, no, please, please share okay. it. We, um, three years ago, we were the recipient of a Health and Human Services grant. And this is a development project. We're a subcontractor with Gallaudet University and the American Institutes of Research. And this is our industry consumer coalition. Um, it's called ICAT, the Industry Consumer Accessible Consumer Technology. Um, it's a development project. We're in the third year and we are ready to launch the website over the next couple months. And the idea is to bring industry and consumer together to develop products that are accessible from the ground up and also have a place where people with hearing loss uh, can talk. Uh, part of it is a tested, uh, tested um, test, trusted tester program where people can be, um, we will train people how to do product reviews. So we're really excited about that. And that was born out of many years of being part of the Consumer Technology Association Foundation visiting CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. 
And HLA was always part of the hearing access advocacy group. And we would talk to companies and they would be all excited about making their products accessible. And we would exchange business cards and we're going to work together. And then we would come back and it would all drop. So this program puts some formal rigor to that. And we're really excited about that. That's great. You know, it, just what you said, I mean, HLA is involved in so many aspects, whether it's F, the FTC or the you know, FDA or um, uh, NIDCD or CTA. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you, your, your reach is, is uh, really pretty comprehensive. And, and you know, I, um, I want to you know, just thank you for, for all of the work that you guys do in the service um, to people with hearing loss. Uh, you, you've been an outstanding advocate. Uh, through the years and a great resource for consumers as an editor and a leader and an executive director of HLA going all the way back to the 80s. And uh, um, I just want to thank you for your time today and on the Hearing Review podcast. And it's always just a great pleasure speaking with you. Oh, thank you, Carl. It's a pleasure. And thank you for this opportunity to talk about HLA. It's my favorite topic in the whole world, as well as anything we can do for putting forth um, hearing health as a as a major um, concern. Thank you. Thank you. Barbara Kelly is the executive director of the Hearing Loss Association of America in Washington, DC. And she joined us from her office on April 13th, 2022. A Hearing Review podcast can be found in the resources section of our website at hearingreview.com. Today's podcast was produced and helped um, by Hearing Review and MedCorp marketing manager, Bryce Lockman. Uh, for the Hearing Review, I'm Carl Strum. Thanks for listening. Thank you.